Adventures cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Who's the handsomest man you know? Robert Redford. No, no, he's a movie star. I mean, someone you really know. Robert Redford. You don't know Robert Redford. Yes, I do. How come you never mentioned him? If you were the only woman in Boston he was messing around with, would you tell anybody? Hello and welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me this time to discuss the season five episode, Knights of the Scimitar, we have a brand new guest who reached out to me last year and said she would love to be the one guest who defends season five, Diane. So with a pitch like that, I had to have her come on. Please welcome Isabel Ayer. How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me. And now I I feel a little bit of pressure, but I'm going to go for it. (laughs) Before we get into this episode, uh, as a as a brand new guest on the show, you do get the big question: How and when did you become a fan of Cheers? Um, this is interesting. So I am too young to have watched Cheers in its original run. Uh, I think I was a toddler when it went off the air. It was ninety three, right? Was was when it? Yeah, that was last year. Yeah, that was last year. So yes, I was a I was in preschool when it went off the air. Um, So the story of how I discovered it is interesting. I was probably about 12 or 13 and on a family vacation with um, some kind of distant relatives. And this was on the East Coast and I'm from the West Coast. So I was put in the attic room of this house that I'd never been in. And it had uh, this small TV in the corner. So basically I was able to like watch television late at night because no adults were around supervising me. And somehow I got on turning on, it must've been Nick at night or something, whatever, some equivalent uh, cable reruns of Cheers when I was about 12 or 13. They were definitely during the Rebecca years. So it was the latter half of the show. And I just really liked it. And specifically, I I think this must've been the era of the show when Sam and Rebecca were kind of doing a will they won't they which I think was the first three years I don't maybe they were trying to have the baby at that point but anyway I just remember I really liked their dynamic uh I have always liked romantic comedy as a genre Mm -hmm. and uh when I got home from this vacation I remember like going on to the internet and looking it up and finding out that basically like Sam and Rebecca were never really seriously considered a couple that would ever be endgame on this show (laughs) because Diane there was Diane supremacy basically and uh so I was like very I remember being very annoyed about that (laughs) as a a teenager whatever and then years and years later um I was in film school at the time and I think Cheers was on Netflix and somehow I got this idea of watching it from the beginning and then I completely fell in love with the Diane and Sam years of the show which is pretty much the only part of the show that I actually really like at this point so it's kind of funny that when I originally saw the show I was like who is this Diane person I don't like her but of course now I'm like ride or die for Shelley Long (laughs) even when I was watching it in the original run I was certainly more invested in the in the Rebecca years and I was a little bit older and, and had more of an appreciation so for me I thought of Sam and Rebecca first before that's interesting. Sam that's and interesting. Diane technically that was my first exposure but yeah um, yeah of course and that's that's yeah that's the, certainly if, if that's all you know that becomes your favorite so right. um I only it was only after I went back and I would see more reruns from the early the earlier seasons and then even before streaming when I was collecting the DVD box sets of the seasons and then really doing deep dives in the early season that's when I was like oh yeah this diane yeah this is better so yeah so let's get into this episode we are season five episode eight knights of the scimitar this episode is written by jeff abogov directed by james burrows and the original air date was thursday november 20th 1986 Diane tells Sam that she has a romantic problem, a different one than wanting to marry Sam despite his constant rejections. She's been working as a college teaching assistant, and one of the students, named Lance Apollinaire, has, according to Diane, fallen in love with her. She describes Lance's Adonis-like beauty and youthful enthusiasm to Sam, 
claiming the problem is he may be all surface beauty with none of the more soulful or intellectual qualities that Diane looks for in a man. However, he may be too good looking to resist. Sam believes that Diane concocted this smitten youth just to make him jealous, but Lance Apollinaire is all too real and all too handsome, as even Carla faints at the sight of him when he comes to the bar. Lance asks Diane to go away with him for the weekend. On Friday, he comes back to Cheers to pick her up, and Diane confronts Sam. She'll leave with Lance unless Sam admits that he still loves her and doesn't want her going away with another man. Sam won't. He encourages her to go. Diane calls Sam's bluff by kissing Lance, but Sam calls back, taking her in his arms and kissing her more passionately than she kissed Lance. Diane breaks her date with Lance, knowing that her true feelings are still for Sam. Meanwhile, Cliff is inducted into a fraternal order called the Knights of the Scimitar. He convinces Norm to join him as a networking strategy to meet prospective clients for his accounting business. Norm agrees to join the Knights with Cliff, only to discover that he's not allowed to do business with other members. Still, the Knights seem like a fun organization, and Norm is happy to remain a member. Until they vote to ban beer from all lodge functions. Then Norm is out of there. All right, Isabel, why did you want to cover this episode? Okay, so I don't think it's the funniest episode in the run of the show by a long shot. But I think that it's interesting. Well, the B plot, I would say, is pretty forgettable. I'm not a huge fan. But I think that this episode actually has kind of shed some interesting light on Sam and Diane's headspace in this very, very controversial first half of the season arc. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's interesting. I think there's just some interesting character things with them and probably their problem as a couple, their relationship issues. But I would argue that some of it actually does get resolved later in the season. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I would say that probably my most controversial take as a guest on this podcast is that I seem to be the only person who actually likes them as a couple and wanted them to end up together. <laughs> but I mean, uh, they burn bright, they burn hot. So it's okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say, I guess from my perspective, there's two eras of cheers. There's the first five seasons, which is a straight up romantic comedy. And then there's the last six seasons, which is an ensemble workplace comedy. And yes, for me, going into, going into uh, a romantic comedy, there's one rule of romantic comedy. The main couple end up together. So I think probably from a genre perspective, I'm maybe willing to put up with a lot of what in the real world would be very problematic, completely dysfunctional, absurd behavior because it's a sitcom. I'll just buy the conceit. If the characters have good enough chemistry and I believe that they love each other, I'll put up with a lot. So that's probably where my tolerance level for the dysfunction between these characters is higher than it would be if they were real people. That that makes sense. Sure. It makes total sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, all right, going through the episode, um, this is the first writing credit on IMDb for Jeff Abagov. Uh, he does write another episode later this season, though. Uh, and then he would go on to write some other shows and become a producer on other shows. That seemed to be a thing for a lot of like the guest writers, especially in some of these early seasons, is they would write two or three scripts for Cheers and then go off and basically become showrunners for their own projects, so. I think this would be the characters are so strong on this show that I feel like it would actually be uh, a show that would be pretty easy to jump on. And just mm-hmm. you know, the character voices are so distinct that that makes the job of a guest writer easier, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think a lot of the um, the other like executive producers who, who were like in the writers' room from season to season were also guiding some of these and, and might have like added lines or, or like done like script doctoring work on these too. So, for the teaser for this episode, we get the return of our other mail carrier, Walt Twitchell. He and Cliff, are, you know, have this little. Uh, combative nature against each other and and he twitchell sees that cliff is wearing his official postal carrier p- keychain when he's not on duty and he's going to report him 
Um, but Cliff takes it, takes it out that it's uh, not attached to a key. It's, it's like one of those little mini viewfinders that is supposed to have a, a picture of a sexy girl or something inside when you look at it. But it's a prank because when you hold it up to your eye to look, it just smears ink around your eye. Uh, do we think that the uh, keychain is a real thing, or is that something that the writers of Cheers have devised <laughs> as a device for the teaser? I, 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 I don't know if an official postal carrier keychain is a thing or not. I, I'm trying to... I, I would think it's probably something they made up for the episode, but it, it would be funny I, if it were a real thing. <laughs> I would hope so. I can't imagine, but yeah. But I, I was going to say, like, the whole little viewfinder thing... I have only ever seen those in the context of pranks. Like in any pop culture, like when somebody has one of those, the only times I think I've ever seen them is when there's like ink around it or something and you're supposed to look foolish after you look in it. Yeah, I, don't, I, think, I don't know if they're yeah, yeah. more common to other people, but. I, I think that the the viewfinder that has a dirty photo inside of it, that feels mm. very much like something from television I, I as a child I believe I had one of those viewfinders that just had like pictures from around the world or something I mean that, that kind of toy thing that definitely existed but the whole like oh you know nudie picture of the girl inside the viewfinder that feels very much like something from pop culture yeah yeah maybe that's it too um but anyway the whole thing is like cliff is like i hope you like the girl like you know in her tidy lingerie or something and twitchell's like i she wasn't wearing anything when i looked in and cliff being so dumb he like has to double check his home thing to make sure that he's right and of course he gets the ink all over his eye too and the teaser ends with cliff chasing twitch out of the the bar and them running after each other so he appeared um, once more, right? He, the, this is not the last. Yes, this is, his, this is his second appearance, and he might come back. I don't remember. Then uh, after the opening credits, we start, and Diane is kind of sighing, kind of gasping longingly and everything like that. Um, Sam actually asks, he's like, do you have a slow leak or something? I thought that was a good line. It was funny. Uh, and he, she sets it up. She's like, last week I was volunteering at the college and it seems a student has fallen in love with me. And Sam right there, he's like, marry him. And she sets it up that, uh, well, how does she describe it? He's like, this student is particularly good looking. No, exceptionally good looking. No, Greek god-like. <laughs> yeah, we might want to wait until we actually get to it. But I do think this entire episode hinges on the casting of that character. If he was not well, we, cast, we'll, it would not work. I have some things to say about him too, but yeah, before before we get that, when she mentions the name Lance Apollinaire, Apollinaire, yeah, I, I have to shout out the writer because if there was a name of a guy that Diane was going to make up, that's the name. <laughs> it's so perfect and i think like i have the exact same thought that sam does because his, his line is if you're gonna make up a guy at least give him a name that doesn't sound like a bad aftershave but it's something like yeah it's like the masculine alpha like lance is in there like the name apollo is part of it it's just like well yeah it's like, a french, how perfect a french is last name yeah it kind it kind of sounds like uh it sounds like a dime store paperback romance novel hero that's what the name feels like to me it does it seems so ridiculous i love it do you remember um, the first time you saw this episode oh gosh no i, I no I, I have no idea i'm sure I'm wondering if people thought that it really i'm wondering i'm wondering if watching it for the first time not knowing that he is real that you would think she did make him up I think that's probably what I thought. And I think that's probably what the audience was supposed to think about because the response then hinges on when Carla actually sees him. That's Mm -hmm. the confirmation. We'll we'll, we'll get to that part too, because then like, it's when it's like, Oh, not only is he real, but he's everything that (laughs) Diane described and Mm -hmm. Carla reaffirms that. Um, But really, really actually, I want to dive so much into the, 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 the Lance of this all. Let's, let's go through the B plot with Cliff and Norm. Okay. Um, Because as you said, it's it's fine. It's not that great. Cliff comes in. He's excited to finally be admitted into this lodge, the Knights of the Scimitar. 
this weirdly Arabian theme. Um, he mentions that his dad was a member, and then he's trying to explain all the details of this, but he's also taking an oath of secrecy. And Carla is really like, you have to remember your oath. Don't, don't tell us. Just shut your mouth off. And he finally just, she, she tells him to shut up, and he jumps back. He's like, just don't listen to me. And there's something about that exchange that felt a little bit real, but also not very Cheers-like. And that was like one of the instances in this episode where I was like, this doesn't feel like it's written by one of the veteran Cheers writers. Because, yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, and I don't know how you felt about that because that kind of like back and forth didn't feel like a Cheers scene. Do you think it felt, was it, it was too mean or not mean enough from Carla? <laughs> or, is that no, the, or is that not the problem for you? It's just like the, the punchline was just kind of weak from both of them. It, it was just like, they were just like, like yeah, I can see that. Shouting, no, right. shouting at each other, but not with anything kind of like smart or like a, a double entendre or anything right. like that. Right. There's no clever hook at the end. There's no there's no button on that joke, really. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, probably it's just I just feel like this whole subplot was from a writing perspective, maybe a little bit half-assed. I mean, it's yeah. clearly not what the writer is interested in in this episode. Right, right. Um uh, to, to his credit, I did like the next part because when Cliffy's like, hey, I can induct, I can get other people in, but it has to be like one at a time. So who wants to go with it? He's like, you guys pick a number between one and 10. And Norm is like 2 million and 12. And, but unfortunately, since he gets for Sam says 2 million and 13, and Woody goes 2 million and 14. And Cliff, as if he's not even buying into it, he's like, well, it was four. So Norm is the closest. Woody saves this moment because he's like, darn, I almost said four. I should have stuck with my instinct. I, I laughed out loud at that. Just uh, Harrelson's, his delivery was, it's just, he really is coming into his own as a character at this point in season five, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and bless me, like, he, he does have that, He by, by now, he is not just the replacement for coach. He's more than that. But he still has the coach-like ability to, if he only has one line in an episode, it might be the best. Um, and he does have a, a really good one later on. Um, but so, yeah, so we get the whole thing. Like uh, Cliff gets Norm interested because the, these, the, the, as a social circle, these guys might be good contacts, future clients for his business. And he he takes he's like the lodge is this great place to unwind. And here Woody has this joke about like unwinding the turban, and the guys like don't laugh. It's like Woody's trying too hard. And the the whole point of this thing is like he, he made a joke that they don't find funny. And that's another one where I'm like, that's not a cheers thing. Yeah, like, I agree. That that moment did feel very that that moment did feel very jarring because it's like the whole joke is it's not funny. And the characters in the universe of Cheers are funny to one another. Like, they're yeah, they're constantly the laughing at each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I, but again, it's partially redeemed, you know, because what, Woody's like, you yeah, know, I was voted class clown, and Norm was like, well, you should be very proud of that. And Woody's like, I'll say, I was only running for class president. <laughs> All right, it was, it was well, that, was, that was a decent comeback. Okay. It's a better joke, but it didn't quite nail it, but it was okay. So um, so then by the time we get to like the second act, when we're just following up on the, the Knights of the Scimitar thing, we see their lodge meeting and Norm, uh, he's he's very into it, but like like not wanting to reveal too much. He's giving very short-term answers, but they let him in. They do this whole ceremony with the, the sword and they're like, are you prepared? He's like, yes. And they're like, great, you're in and everything's cool. Um, but unfortunately, they won't let him do business with other members. But they're like, grab a turban and a sword, and you can join us. And he tells he's telling Cliff, he's like, eh, these guys still seem like a nice group of guys. They're like, this will be fun. I'm I'm in this for the long haul. And then they're like, well, at our last meeting, we passed the resolution not to have beer at any functions. And Norm just throws the sword out. He's like, goodbye. I'm out of here. That was the redeeming joke of the entire B-plot, in my opinion. Like, that punchline was really genuinely funny, but mm-hmm. I don't really know what they were going for with this. I don't know if it's just that the whole concept of lodges, like, the Elks, the Masons, like, all of this feels very dated. Like, it's not really that relevant to people now, so maybe the kind of satirizing of lodge culture fraternal organizations would have landed better in 86 when this episode came out. I don't know if you think that maybe they should have gone farther with parroting it. I mean, the turbans and the swords kind of funny, but 
the the lodge master is not really that memorable of a character and you could have made that character memorable if you wanted to right i i just i mean i i i can't i can't say in the 80s this would have felt dated but i kind of think so i mean at least from my part growing up like my one and only experience with any of these kind of fraternal organizations like in high school i got some academic recognition award from the local rotary club and like that was right. it and like yeah. i went to like one dinner because they gave me like a partial scholarship thing to, to a college but i would never had really any other experience with elks or moose club or uh, the knights of columbus or uh vfw other than like like uh, family things like that um but so yeah like the, the again like the the lodge culture this type of thing like freemasons type of thing i i i have no window into this so i'm just like i yeah okay i'm, I'm kind of curious where i'm just curious what the writers i mean they actually built a set for it so i, I feel like they mm-hmm. had some, you know they invested a little bit of energy into this b plot uh in terms of from a production point of view but yeah it does feel like if you're gonna do it maybe like they should have gone further with it but it is also it's the t- it's funny because it is the it is the B plot, but it's also where the title of the episode comes from. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't. Right. It, it's not that funny. The punchline with Norm throwing down the sword and walking out—that was funny. So I guess that sort of semi redeems what kind of feels like otherwise not a great use of time. But you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so getting back into the uh, Diane's problem. Um, she she has this moment where she stands like back to back with Sam, like kind of surprising him, just so that she can measure the height. And this is one of those things because she says, like, you know, I you're actually. Uh, or she says Lance is taller than you. I thought you were taller, but it's only because your shoulders are less broad. <laughs> and <laughs> perfectly put, Diane. But that's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is obviously a ploy to drive him crazy. Like this is the whole thing. Um, and he sends her up to get changed, but here's where it kind of it's like, okay, it's kind of working because then he goes, there's this wonderful scene between Sam and Carla. Um, I, like I, I quote, I had to quote this whole thing because he's like, who's the handsomest man, you know, and she, Carla says Robert Redford. And he goes, no, he's a movie star. I mean, someone you really know. She goes, Robert Redford. He's like, you don't know Robert Redford. She's like, yes, I do. And he's like, how come you've never mentioned it? And Carla goes, if you were the only woman in Boston he was messing around with, would you tell anybody? Oh man. The, the untold story of Carla's affair <laughs> with Robert Redford. <laughs> That was pretty yeah, it was funny. It was just the it was it was funny, I have to say. Funny to imagine. Like a guest star, Robert Redford. Yeah, they never did stunt casting other than like a few actual like real life like politicians and celebrities, but yeah, the Robert Redford appearance would have been good. So then they continue that. He's like, who's the real like like um person, the, the handsomest person you see? And she's like, Dwight Evans. He's like, no, ever that you see every day. And she says, her butcher. And Sam is like, Carla. Who, who's the handsomest person you see in this bar getting very mad at you right now? And she's like, oh, oh, you, you. And you can see that she knows what she's doing. She's been driving him crazy because she oh, yeah, sees. She's, she's, she's leaning into it. Yeah. It, and it's I, just funny because Carla doesn't really approve of the Sam and Diane relationship and never has, but she's not afraid to occasionally use that dynamic just to rib Sam. Yeah, she's usually very protective of him. And it seems like the times when she's the most comfortable doing something like this, like punking him or like, or like trying to drive him crazy, is when she wants to somehow exacerbate like his relationship with Diane. Like right, call it, it out. Like, for make him. it worse. Yeah. Make it, you know, make it yeah. Make it worse. Yeah. Which yeah. Right. It's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. But that, that's an interesting thing about their dynamic and kind of how she feels about and I guess like Frasier is sort of the kind of a foil for her in that respect he sort of also does interesting things you know in terms well as we will see here in a second because he does have his one scene in this episode yeah I, yeah he was really funny. um but right before that again sam is walking away from carla and he bumps into woody and he says woody who's the most handsome man you know and Woody goes oh carla's butcher <laughs> And that callback was almost my home run for this episode. <laughs> it was, yeah. I, yeah, that that was definitely high up there in terms of stuff that when I watched the episode, when I rewatched the episode, things that actually made me laugh, that was definitely up there. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, as you said, we get a very brief appearance by Frazier. It comes in, he, his voice is horror, so I don't know what Kelsey Grammer had been doing, because maybe like they couldn't use him that much in this one, but um, he, he said his voice is horror because he's been shouting at a patient all day. Uh, and says, what kind of therapy is that? He's like, it's not therapy. He burned a hole in my rug. Um, and then Sam does this whole spiel about how Diane's got this new guy, but it's not making him jealous, and then Sam just keeps talking and talking and revealing that he is jealous. And Frazier gives him his card and says, call me at the office. <laughs> it's a funny button, but again, it doesn't feel like it's true to their relationship. Like that's not something Frazier does in this world. Like he doesn't, I mean, like with the exception of Cliff much earlier, like he doesn't treat these guys like regular patients. Well, I mean, Sam was his patient. It was. Yeah. Yeah. True. Years before. I mean, I kind of saw that more as Frasier ribbing him, sort of like Carla, than actually Frasier genuinely inviting him to. I guess that's true. Yeah. And actually, I, 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 like, in turn, like, I don't think Frasier could ever treat Sam again as a professional just because the conflict of interest with their relationship with Diane and everything they've been through. I well, don't think he I mean, would he treat Sam have, in a yeah, capacity. But, frankly, but, if you're being realistic, he should oh, have yeah, treated Sam in the first place because he had his relationship with Diane, but we accept it because it's television. That is a good point. That is a good point. But no, I, I didn't think about that. But you're right. He is kind of just like... Yeah, I, I think I think giving him the card was more of just like the ribbing thing, just like you're not happy, you're not well right now. You need to, you need to like like figure this out, get get right. your head yeah. straight. Well, Sam's, yeah, Sam's. Uh, well, he does say, doesn't he make the comment about you know the old Sam would have you know right claimed that he wasn't jealous and rambled on, right. just proving that he was, and then of course Sam does that exact he does that he does the exact thing and so yeah I mean I just saw that as kind of a button joke I didn't really think about it I never considered him actually genuinely inviting him to a therapy session uh and then midway through we actually get in walk walks through the door clad head to toe in denim dark blue denim we get Mr. Lance Apollinaire yeah and yeah, I mean, you you said it that the the episode hinges on the casting. What do you think of this guy? First of all, uh, the actor who plays Lance, um, J. Eddie Peck, who is mostly a soap opera actor. He throughout like the decades, he did lots of appearances on Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, All My Children, Dynasty, Dallas, stuff like that. So, uh, um, yeah, he looks like a soap ac- actor. I mean, I think that I think the casting department did a good job. I, I do think he is kind of absurdly good looking. Like, I don't think that <laughs> Carla's, I don't think Carla's reaction, I mean, you could see if they didn't cast it right, then it would just not feel right. But he is, he is ridiculously good looking. He is noticeably younger than Ted Danson. I do feel yep. like that part of, I do think a lot of the, um, the insecurity that Sam feels about him kind of does, I think, at least partly come from the age difference. And I don't know if he necessarily really looks like a college student, but he definitely looks like a guy in his twenties, as opposed to Ted Danson, who is a, clearly a man in his thirties at this point, I think. Um, right. But uh, yeah, no, I thought the casting was really good. Yeah, you're right. The, the denim, the denim out, the all denim outfit is very, you know, that, I mean, that I, also kind of makes him look young. Those, uh, those jeans are tight. <laughs> those, yeah, those jeans are tight. Yeah, the jeans are tight um but yeah no, i i thought it was funny looking him up on imdb he really did do the soap he he did both yeah. dallas and dynasty which i feel like is you got your two like major night soaps from the mm-hmm. 80s and he he he's still acting as far as i can tell it looks like yeah, yeah I, I mean just he doesn't have to say a whole lot throughout this episode but like his his delivery is fine and everything but yeah just from that physical specimen thing you like when they show him in profile standing up against the bar like in those jeans like i of course where my head when I, I flashed you um in the movie avengers endgame there's this whole running gag about chris evans wearing the captain america costume and that's captain america's ass and i was just like i was like wow this dude i'm like kudos man cheers to that guy i was like that ass i was like yeah okay lance <laughs> well done well done Yes. Um, uh, no, 
Well, you know what's one interesting fact is on his IMDb, um, his IMDb lists his height, which will come back in the end in the episode. Yes, yeah. So, because first of all, Carla faints at the sight of him or whatever like that, and and Carla like uh, uh, Sam helps her up, and she's like, "Oh, I dreamed that I just saw this," and she sees him again. She. It's a faint. He's like Sam is like getting tired of. It. He's like get up. She's like thanks a lot. I was trying to get him to give me mouth to mouth. Um, and then he orders a beer. So Sam is like, oh, I gotta check your ID. And there, there's the like the height thing because he's like, this says you're uh, six foot two and a half. And he's like, yeah. And Sam starts laughing, kind of almost giggling. He's like, well, I'm six three. And he kind of throws the card, the ID, like back at him, like kind of dismissively. Like he's like, what was I jealous of this guy for? I'm half an inch taller. Right. He's got to comfort himself. He's got to have find one thing that he's going yes. to comfort himself with about this situation. I, that that de- the delivery, the way that the joke is set up and paid off, I, that was definitely one of my highlights for the episode. Because you don't know, you, he's looking at the ID and he just starts <laughs> laughing. And it, there's something there's like slightly kind of like a manic glee in his giggles. Yes. And then you find out that it's the half an inch difference in height between them, and uh, just that that cracked me up. It's like he found the fatal flaw in yeah, Diane's he found the fatal like flaw, she, and then he makes the possibly, about, yeah. yeah, she couldn't take this guy seriously when I'm a whole it's her, half her, inch her, taller than it's her yeah. little fr- it's her little friend yeah. yes he keeps he does that throughout the rest of the episode he, he like either makes him seem like he's a, really short or he's a baby or a child or something actually when he's like he's like here hop up on that seat lance carla will pour you a beer like he's a little kid yeah so i so yeah sam the way sam refers to him for the rest of the episode so dismissively i love that part of it i, I actually thought that was that was fine um but well, here, okay, so getting into, like, sort of, as we move into, like, the last act where everything is kind of coming to a head, this was something else I found about the script with this episode is Diane didn't sound like Diane for a lot of this episode, and it wasn't just, like, her plot, but I just felt like she didn't, she didn't sound as smart as Diane usually has, like, other than mentioning he's Greek god-like, she didn't drop a lot of diane vocabulary words that we're kind of used to she didn't sound as literate she and the whole her whole spiel was just like how like just looking at this guy reduces her to just like uh like you know she she forgets how you know important you know the inner beauty and the brain can be and everything and she just kind of ogles them and says zowie like that's like the word she actually but i don't know what it, how did you feel about it? i just feel like diane seemed not as smart in this episode she just didn't have that her her dialogue wasn't there that's interesting i it didn't really i didn't really notice it to be honest i mean i think the big question is for me about this which i thought might be interesting to talk about is uh and you maybe sort of said what you think about this but is this is she is this whole thing actually about is it just about making sam jealous or does she have a genuine interest in this or is it like a combination of factors because i think you could make the argument that part of it obviously is they're leading into that that's kind of the standard the jealousy plot which i believe was also in the previous episode but maybe a little bit more successful here because sam actually seems to be jealous which is the only way you could make a plot line like this work um but i feel like there was you know like in terms of does she actually really you know, what's the conflict for her over going away with this guy? Is it because, you know, obviously she has this unresolved question about her and Sam's relationship, um, which, you know, is kind of dealt with in the last seven minutes of the episode being, you know, how, where they both are with this, but also, um, is there, you know, is there some universe where this is like an ultimatum on that and maybe she will move on and, you know, but of course then there is the question of like, am I only doing this because the guy is really good looking? I don't really feel like the episode got into his appeal as a, I mean, the whole joke is that he's just really good looking. Um, she right. claims that he's brainy, but we don't actually see any evidence of that. So right. you know, it, it wasn't like, they weren't really interested in developing him as a character where you would actually think there might be some question about whether or not, you know, 
you know, he kind of feels like a device, not a character. And that maybe makes the whole thing, you know, like why would Diane actually be interested in this guy? You know, I, I think the, maybe the ambiguity of her motivations is kind of, is a little bit of the problem. And that's maybe I can why see that. I can see that. I can ending, see that argument. The ending feels a little bit because I think like I kept waiting for some kind of turn and like, the whole thing to reveal that like she was doing well i think i think sam had her number the whole time she was doing this to make him jealous and it got to him a little bit in the middle but by the end of it like i think he's victorious because he gives her his blessing he's like you can go like he's like go with this guy it's not gonna bother me i'm telling you you can do it but oh by the way i'm going to ruin it for you because I'm going to kiss you better than he could ever kiss you. And you're going to know it. And that's what that last kiss is about. I feel like it. W- he wasn't doing that. I didn't feel like Sam kissed her because he was jealous that she kissed Lance. I felt like he was doing that basically to pop her balloon and basically say, I, I've known this the entire time. You're not interested in him. Because as soon as she kissed Lance, she goes back to give Sam another chance. She's like, are you going to stop this? And I, I think there was something kind of telling and almost a little bit dark when he's like, you're just using this guy. How do you think that makes you look? And she's like, I'm not using him. I like him. He treats me nicely. And Sam goes, and I don't. So go with him. Like that's like more and more like prolific parts of the, of the series. Like he's, he kind of calls out, he's like, we're not, he's like, why should we be together? We're not good right now. We're, this is not a healthy way a healthy relationship should work what we're doing here so he's like so go with this guy that's better looking than me you think and is like and treats you nicer than me there's no reason you shouldn't be with him except for the fact that you like me better and that actually kind of reminds me of the the ending of season one when she's briefly dating sam's brother derek and she's like the she's like oh she's going through all the reasons why he's better and he's like the only reason i'm with you sam is because I, I like you better that's the only reason i'm not with derek right now and but now i feel like the the roles have been reversed because sam is still the one in power in the scene so by the end of this episode i feel like the, this whole thing they're they're still kind of at the stalemate where she wants to be with him and he's not asking the question again he's not proposing her he's not giving her that second or third chance to say yes i will marry you so by the end of this episode i just feel like we haven't advanced any and that's kind of what makes me feel um just kind of unfulfilled by the end of this episode i think there's a lot of strong dialogue and there's a lot of humor in the last couple of minutes of this episode but just the way it kind of comes together, I'm just—I I feel like it just kind of shows that they're not moving forward. Um, That's which, interesting. I feel like I have a kind of different interpretation of the power dynamic between them in okay. this episode. I think that it's very much they're playing emotional chicken with each other, which is a frequent yeah thing. Yeah. That's a frequent. A reoccurring thing in their relationship in general problem that neither one of them wants to admit that you know that the other one can hurt them and right. uh, I mean I guess I'll take the I'll take Diane's side in this I do think that looking at it from a I mean season long perspective knowing where it's going I mean of course that changes one's perspective in general uh, I think that Sam is I think Sam is punishing her for what happened in the first episode of the season. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when she, she, she accuses him of that. I, to me, to me, I, I do feel like that's what's going on. Uh, it's not just that he doesn't want to be with her um, because if he really didn't want to be with her, he wouldn't let her. I, I don't really think that if he wasn't open to the possibility that he would have actually let her come back to the bar and work at the beginning of the season after you know he he may say that oh i'm just doing it because i want to show you how over you i am but yeah. i'm not really sure if i buy that from his character right. um so to me there is a lot of uh yeah they're kind of emotionally there's there's a one-upmanship to it there's playing emotional chicken there's 
both of them are kind of bluffing. And I guess that in some sense, instead of seeing him ruining her potential to start over with somebody new with the um, really long uh, kiss, in, in TV tropes land, we'd call that a big damn kiss. I believe there's a trope. Um, I, I feel like that was, I actually think that that was her I mean, that was him actually like kind of admitting that he didn't really want her to go with him. To me, I actually saw that as, I mean, it was kind of like they both lost because the whole thing still remained unresolved emotionally because he's clearly still angry with her about what happened at the beginning of the season. But I definitely did not see it as Sam actually thinks, oh, you should go with that guy. We're done. And I'm just going to ruin it for you because you're more sexually attracted to me than you are to him. I really felt like it was, I'm angry at you. You are trying to make me jealous and jerk me around. I am jealous. And here, I'll prove it to you, but I'm still pissed off at you. So I'm still, that's like everything remains kind of unresolved for them. That's, that's how I interpreted that. Which is maybe not any more satisfying from a, as a standalone type of you know as as it doesn't maybe advance the relationship I guess maybe you could make the argument that him admitting yeah okay I am jealous uh at the end sort of does you know it's it's a sort of half step in the in the direction of them eventually getting engaged um but this episode is there is a dark quality to the you know the exchange between them at the end by the phone I mean I think it's very interesting to imagine this episode if there was no laugh track. Uh, I think I saw somebody once made, make that point about the whole exchange at the end, you know, um, there, the, the kiss gets a big laugh because there is a punchline because you can't remember Lance's name. Um, right. <laughs> which I, it is a funny moment, but it's also like, there's, yeah, yeah it's kind of like, he's sort of like weaponizing his sexuality in a way. It's like kind of how it yeah. reads to me. Uh, which is interesting um and and just in general it's funny about their relationship that so much of the joke is that it's about sexual chemistry and they don't actually have a lot of things in common but it's also not an hbo show so it's not like we ever see them in bed together um so much of that happens off screen and it's kind of implied and i feel like this kiss between them this passionate kiss is maybe like sexiest kiss we ever get in the show it's, I don't know, that could be argued. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about a line I heard one time, and I can't remember where this is from, but uh, the gist of it is basically love isn't always a good or constructive thing. Love can make people cruel. That's true. And I've said that, I, I think I said that a couple episodes ago, is because these two know each other so well, when they want to put their thumb on the other character it's like they they have a capacity to be very cruel to each other and i think we see that sometimes in this season and that's why it's not necessarily always the most comfortable yeah it's interesting i think that this episode kind of pairs in my mind with um the later episode chambers versus malone Um, yeah i would say like in in some i'm trying to remember the episode i mean there's quite a few episodes between them but I do think some of the some of the communication problems and clearly the unresolved issues from the first episode of the season and the proposal and the rejection some of that I think is brought out in this episode and then I actually do think some of it gets resolved in that episode Chambers versus Malone is the halfway point that's that's episode 13 of the season and that is really where this whole thing comes to a head and that's right, where it does. Okay it is it's a somewhat preposterous fashion, but uh, yeah, yeah we'll, but we'll get to that know, in a few weeks. Yeah, no, yeah, it's uh, that's definitely an interesting, yeah, it's true. But I, yeah, I guess I just think about there's the humor of the show, there's the character, there's the story, and ideally, all these things would be working together. You know, I understand why people do have issues with the writing in this half and you know, I, maybe I just try and make it work in my mind. So I come up with what I think are plausible interpretations of the characters based on what we were given, which, you know, everything is subjective in that respect. So sometimes you, 
you know, you could buy something that other people maybe are just like, that's totally, everybody has a different credulity stretching point, I guess is my point. So sure, sure. I, I do think, I think that uh, maybe something that gets ignored about this first half of the season, I guess, in Diane's defense is, I think that her reasons for her initial rejection of his proposal are actually not totally crazy. Uh, I don't know, maybe this is, I don't know if this is just being a woman, but the fact that he was like, had just broken up with Janet Eldridge, I think mm-hmm. that would actually make a normal person second guess the motivation of why you're being proposed to. Sure. And, <laughs> uh, and, but I also understand why he would be very, you know, his character is so macho, then I can understand why he'd be really hurt after being that vulnerable. So like, I guess I'm sympathetic to both of their perspectives and why there's this conflict, of course, but dragging it out over like 12 episodes, maybe I can understand why people kind of got tired of it. Um, Well, we've got a few more to get through, but um, yeah, the the last part about this episode is you mentioned like Diane does call him brainy. I think the one evidence we have maybe that he's not so much is when the big damn kiss, as you called it, or something like that. Um, Lance is just kind of standing there holding the flowers like, so are you ready to go? Are we we going up to Vermont? and then when she says, you know, it's time to leave, Carla starts walking Lance out and she's like, you know, what really would have made Sam jealous is if you did this. And Carla climbs up on the chair <laughs> in order to match his height and then pounces on him, like wraps her, wraps her legs around his waist and everything and like knocks him back into the bar and is like going to devour him. And Diane has to kind of like try and pull her off and yeah, yeah. That, that was a good that was a good caper that was a good final bit i love that yeah, it was, it was a nice, uh, you know the whole the whole last part of it is kind of angsty i would describe mm-hmm. like from the relationship point of view so it's nice that they ended it on a funny carla moment any other thoughts before we get to our uh the superlatives? superlatives um no i think yeah we kind of i mean we got into the guts of kind of yeah. the, your issue with it and maybe like some of the questions about just the way and and know. in terms of like the the salmon diet the, in terms of their motivation i i see your point i see the perspective that you're coming from it and again my thinking is the fact that it is ambiguous the fact that it could be seen either way i don't know if that's a strength of the writing uh, right or, yeah or, i mean or, I the, guess, or if it's yeah. a weakness i don't know well i guess it's kind of I mean, having listened to some of your previous episodes with your other guests, like a lot of people seem to think that Sam is pretty much done with her at this point. And to me, the whole premise of the show, it is a romantic comedy. So I basically, until she's written out of the show, to me, I like, there's like, I I would never assume that because that's so much of what the whole premise of this genre is built around. So and pretty much always pretty much always err on the side of assuming when Sam says that he's done with Diane that that is not true. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And maybe maybe a little bit of that is just the um the contextual knowledge that she's leaving the show that like that of knowing too much about what's going forward or what's going to happen now. Well, but yeah. yeah, wasn't the question about whether Shelley Long was going to leave the show even though she said she was I was always under the impression there was attempts to keep her around. They obviously didn't yes. want her to leave. So I, I believe, actually, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. You know, in terms of was was this whole season written with the assumption that she would absolutely be leaving at the end? I'm not really convinced of that because of a lot. No, of I don't. Choices. I don't believe. I believe they they always hoped and and tried to keep her as much as they could. So yeah, because a lot of the a lot of the developments of their relationship. I almost feel like don't make sense if she's leaving mm-hmm. at the end of the season, but that's, that's a whole other oyster to open. A little, I just, I just saw this before, uh, before starting this one uh, the, for the trivia nugget. It's a little known fact, uh, according to IMDB, uh, actually, um, who is it? Uh, J. Eddie Peck, the guy who played Lance, actually, according to IMDB, he is the one who is half an inch taller than Ted Danson. According to, their, according to their official heights well, so. i was gonna say on imdb it said that he was six foot three which is what sam right. says is his height and i, so I think sam malone's or i think ted danson's official height is listed at six two or six two and a half or something so, so. that's funny so they actually reversed their real life heights for the purpose of yeah. the show. 
Yeah. Um, for Norm's tab, uh, he had three beers this episode, which brings him up to 418 for the series up to this point. Oh my God. Um, but none with the Knights. He had no beers with the Knights because it's not allowed in their meetings. Right, right. Um, for the employee of the week, uh, my mine surprised me, but who did you have? Um, I, I chose Sam. Uh, as my employee of the week I think that maybe it's because uh, I think he gets interesting things to do from a character perspective like his you know anger jealousy I think that like there's interesting aspects of the acting and and honestly my uh, and it also connects with my like favorite moment of the episode was was because mm-hmm. of him I was so sure I would give it to Sam or, Di- Sam or Diana as it's a Sam or Diane episode, but like they also kind of equally frustrated me in this one. I can see that. And by the end of the episode, I, I'm going to give it to Carla because of, I think, uh, for a few slick moments, like the way she's teasing and toying with Sam when she's talking about the Robert Redford thing. Um, and then when the way she faints when Lance shows up and she's like, I was hoping he would give me mouth to mouth. And then just the way she jumps on him at the very end. Okay. I definitely think for dramatic purposes, it's for dramatic purposes, it's a, it's a Sam and Diane episode, but Carla kind of stole it from me. And, and I wasn't expecting that. She has really good physical comedy in this episode. Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. fainting, the fainting when she sees him is it almost is, it almost makes it his good looks funnier is her reaction to the good look. For the home run, the funniest gag in this episode, we, we already talked about it, but it's it's the way Sam starts to laugh when he looks at Lance's driver's license. And like he's already he has this like he's so sure in his mind. He's like, this says you're six foot two and a half inches tall. It's like, yeah, so he's like, well I'm six three and he's like laughing at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. I think my home run for the episode was the um, two jokes immediately after the big damn kiss uh, when Lance asks uh, if Diane's ready to go and then Sam has to remind Diane what his name is. <laughs> what his name is, yeah. Uh, and then the runner up that I had, which wasn't a funny line, but I just, I thought like it was delivered. It just kind of like made me like, almost like caught me unaware, caught me off guard was when she says, I like Lance. He's nice and he treats me he treats me well. And Sam just says, and I don't, so go with him. There was just something harsh about that delivery, but but true. So I, I don't know. That one I, I just thought that was a very interesting line. Yeah, it, it would have, you know, I, I would have bought it more from him if he'd actually really let her go, but he didn't, Steve. <laughs> True. All right. Well, Isabel, thank you so much for being on this episode of Cheerscast. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and I'm, I know I'm going to have to have you back in a future episode. Oh wow, this was really fun. Uh, I didn't. I don't feel like I really probably got my full chance to defend Diane. Well, actually, no. My real goal is to defend Sam and Diane's relationship at some later point. But I guess we only have like you know, I guess what like 15 episodes before that'll be over. <laughs> we'll see we'll see but um yeah thank you thank you very much for uh for being my guest this time this was great um and as well thanks to all of you out there who listen to cheers cast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com you can also support the fire and water podcast network on patreon special thanks to ashford from the right on podcast network and rick from jeff and rick presents who sponsor this show Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Diane's upstairs. She'll be right down. Can I get you something? Hey, how about a beer? Oh, dear. Now, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask you for an ID. <laughs> yeah, sure. Something funny? Yeah, yeah, it says here you're six two and a half. So? <laughs> I'm six three. <laughs> oh, Diane, your little friend's here to see you. <laughs>